Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Only when we understand that eternal purpose God has for us and build our lives around that purpose, only then will we transform an ordinary existence into an extraordinary life. Are you ready to start living it? Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven to experience God's blessing. Everyone can have an extraordinary life right now. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress gives us an overview of seven biblical principles for experiencing significance and success in life. It's part of the series called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Throughout the month of February, we're embarking on a biographical journey, tracing the historic footsteps of Elijah. Our series is called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. Now, you might wonder, what's the big deal with Elijah? How could an ancient patriarch have anything to say about life in 2023? Well, over the course of this series, we'll discover God's seven secrets for success and significance. These are transferable truths that you can apply to your life right now. And I guarantee this study will prove to be quite the adventure. Speaking of adventures, let me remind you that this coming April, I'll be hosting the 2023 Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel. The dates are April 25th through May 5th, and I guarantee nothing will inform your knowledge of Bible prophecy any more than a tour to Israel. Now, space for this exclusive tour is limited, and I want to make sure that you're included. You'll find all the details for reserving your spot by going to ptv.org. By the way, one of the sites that we will visit will be Mount Carmel, where Elijah experienced an extraordinary miracle. Well, to complement our study this month on the life of Elijah, you're invited to request your copy of my book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life. I'd be pleased to send you the hardback edition, along with a brand new life application guide, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, I'll be sure to include an exclusive resource called the Elijah Map. I'll give you more details later on. But right now, let's open our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17 as we discover how to choose the extraordinary life. To understand the world in which Elijah lived, we have to understand what was going on morally and spiritually in the country. In 922 BC, there was a civil war that split Israel into two parts. There was the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. Israel in the North had 19 kings and they were all rotten to the core. They were all evil. Elijah lived in Northern Israel. He was in the Kingdom of Israel. That's where he ministered. Ahab was the king when Elijah lived and ministered. Ahab, it says, did more to provoke God to anger than any king before him. Why was he so ungodly? Part of it had to do with his heritage, but also because of his ungodly wife. She was a foreign wife who worshiped a foreign god, and she brought the worship of that foreign god, Baal, into Israel. 
They worshiped him through sexual perversion, through self-mutilation, and through child sacrifice. Evil was running rampant and unchecked throughout the nation. And at that particular time, God raised up his representative, a man named Elijah. It's interesting when we look at Elijah, he was no spiritual superman. He was an ordinary person. He had the same battles you and I have. He battled with depression, despair, temptation, with doubts about God. Nevertheless, God used him in an extraordinary way to make a difference in his nation. Why was that? I want you to notice three qualities of Elijah. First of all, Elijah was a man of passion. He burned hot for God. We find that in the opening words where he just appears out of nowhere on the scene. Look at 1 Kings 17.1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now that took guts. To come before a pagan king and a pagan queen who loved to kill Jehovah's prophets, he came and said, God's going to stop the rain. Elijah was a man of passion. Secondly, he was a man of purpose. He was a man of purpose. And Elijah understood he had one reason for living, and that was to make God known to as many people as possible. In fact, you find that in his name, Elijah. The name Elijah that his parents bestowed upon him literally means Yahweh is God. And because he knew what his purpose was, it gave him great courage. He didn't fear anyone, not some wicked king or his wife. He didn't fear anyone because he knew he served the Lord. You know, knowing your purpose can give you great purpose in your life. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, don't fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Elijah lived his life for an audience of one. He was a man of purpose. Thirdly, Elijah was a man of prayer. That's one of the great secrets of his extraordinary life. In James 5, the half-brother of Jesus said, the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. That's James 5, 16. But then in the next verse, to illustrate an effective man, a righteous man who accomplishes much through prayer, he uses Elijah as the example. Look at verses 17 and 18 of James 5. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it didn't rain on earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The key phrase is, he prayed earnestly. What does it mean to pray earnestly? It doesn't mean you squeeze your folded hands so tight that the blood drains out of them. That's not what it means. Literally, in Greek, it says he prayed with prayer. In other words, prayer was a regular part of Elijah's life. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, we are to pray without ceasing. Literally, that phrase without ceasing means with the frequency of a hacking cough. Have you ever had one of those hacking coughs? You just couldn't suppress no matter how hard you tried. You'd be someplace in a meeting or in class. You'd try, that little tickle comes in your throat. You try to suppress it. You just can't do it. 
The Bible says that's how we're to pray. We're just to keep on praying. You know, just like breathing. Nobody has to tell you to breathe, do they? That comes naturally. That was Elijah. Praying was as natural for him as breathing was. And that's one reason that God used him in such a powerful way. Passion, purpose, prayer, those were the foundation stones of Elijah's life and ministry. And from those three foundation stones, I've discovered what I call Elijah's seven secrets for spiritual significance. As I've spent the last year studying the life of Elijah, I've uncovered seven choices Elijah made built on those three foundation stones that really unlock for all of us the secret for being successful, spiritually successful in life. Consider this final portion of the message a preview of coming attractions. Because these are the seven secrets we're going to explore in great detail in the weeks ahead. Do you want to have an extraordinary life? It all begins, first of all, with discovering your unique purpose in life. Discovering your unique purpose in life. Now, all of us have the same purpose generally. We were created to glorify God. To cause people to want to turn to worship the one true God. That's our general purpose. But God has also given us a unique purpose. He's made you uniquely with certain gifts, certain abilities, certain interests as your creative way to fulfill God's ultimate purpose. Next time, we're going to discover how Elijah discovered his unique purpose and two questions you can ask yourself that will help you discover your unique place in God's plan. Secondly, spiritually significant people determine to influence their culture. They determined to influence their culture. You know, Elijah could have very easily said, well, I'm the only righteous person here. I'm going to go huddle with those other hundred prophets hiding in a cave somewhere, and we'll just wait for the end to come. No, that wasn't an option for Elijah. God, Elijah knew God had raised him up to change the culture of his country, to turn his country toward God. You know, there is strange teaching out there today among many Christians who are saying, as Christians, we shouldn't try to influence our culture. We shouldn't even speak to our culture. If we're talking to a non-Christian culture, the only thing we have the right to talk to non-Christians about is their need for Jesus Christ as Savior. They've even come up with a philosophy for this. It's called the Benedict Option. We're to follow the example of some Catholic priest, St. Benedict, who basically got in a holy huddle with his followers, decided to isolate themselves from their culture and just encourage one another until the end came. There's a whole strain of evangelical Christians who are following that kind of nonsense. Thank God Elijah didn't do that. Elijah didn't isolate himself from the king and the queen. Even though they were ungodly followers of Baal, Elijah confronted them. And when he confronted them, he didn't just share the four spiritual laws with them about how to become a Christian. He said, what you are doing is wrong. It's an offense to Almighty God. And today we need men and women, boys and girls, followers of God who will have the courage to stand up and confront an ungodly culture and ungodly leaders and say without stuttering or stammering, thus saith the Lord. God has called us to influence our culture, not to isolate ourselves from it. Elijah understood that. Elijah understood that. We need to understand that. Thirdly, Elijah waited on God's timing. 
If you're going to be significant in life, you need to learn to wait on God's timing. No, we don't like to wait, do we? It doesn't matter how old we are, how experienced we are in the faith. We don't like waiting but we have to learn to wait. Elijah did. You know, after he appeared on the scene before Ahab and Jezebel in 1 Kings 17, 1, immediately after that, God put him away. He hid him for three years, partly to protect him, but also to prepare him for his future ministry. And during those three years, Elijah learned some vital lessons about himself and more importantly about God. There's some of you right now who are listening to this, you're in that waiting time in your life. Maybe you're a student studying and preparing for a career that seems out of reach. Maybe you're a pastor listening to this message and you're ministering in obscurity thinking nobody knows what you're doing and God doesn't even know what you're doing. Maybe you're a single adult and you're waiting and waiting for God to bring that person into your life who will be your life partner. Remember, waiting time doesn't have to be wasted time. In those times that we are waiting, God is teaching us some important, important lessons. You know, um, somebody once said that it only takes a few months to grow a mushroom, but it takes decades to grow a redwood tree. God's not in the process of growing mushrooms. He's growing redwoods. He's growing you into a redwood, and sometimes that takes lots of time. Number four, spiritually significant people come to a point where they decide to burn the ships. You have to come to a place in your life where you decide to burn the ships, just like the Spanish conqueror Cortez. Remember how he and his men burned the ships. Cortez said, burn the ships, eliminating any possibility of retreat for his men. He said, the only way to move now is to move forward the same thing is true in our life. There has to come a point in our life, in our relationship with God, when we decide whether we're all in or not. You're never going to make a difference until you decide to be all in. We find that with Elijah. Remember when he was on top of Mount Carmel? He was talking to the Israelites. He said, it's time for you to make a decision. Stop wavering between two opinions. If Baal is Baal, follow Baal. If God is God, then follow him but it's time to burn the ships. Elijah had a burn the ships moment. Have you? We'll look at in the weeks ahead, how to identify those burn the ships moments and how to respond correctly. Fifthly, Elijah learned the practice, learned how to practice the principles of powerful praying. Survey the scriptures and you'll discover the men and women who made the greatest difference in God's kingdom was, were those who learned how to pray and pray effectively. Now, don't misunderstand. There are many things we can do after we pray to make an impact on this world. Some people say, oh, we just need to pray. We just need to pray. No, there are many things we need to do after we pray. There are many things you can do after you have prayed, but there's nothing of significance you can do until you have prayed. Prayer is the beginning place for making an eternal impact. And we're going to discover from Elijah's example how to pray persistently, precisely, and powerfully. Sixth, successful people, significant people, learn how to handle bad days. They learn how to handle bad days. Like I said, Elijah wasn't a super saint. He was a normal person. He battled despair, depression, and doubt. 
As we're going to see, one moment he's on top of Mount Carmel doing battle with hundreds of false prophets, and the next moment he's curled up in a fetal position wanting to die. We all go through periods of time like that, don't we? How do we handle bad days? Well, we're going to discover how Elijah handled bad days. Maybe you're going through a bad season of life. You're battling with discouragement right now. Bad days can consist of anything from a sore throat and a flat tire to more genuine tests of our faith, like the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, the loss of your mate. We're going to discover Elijah's secrets for handling those bad days or those bad seasons of life. And finally, significant people live with the end in mind. They live with the end in mind. You know, you look at Elijah, he knew his time on earth was limited. He knew he wouldn't be here long, and he lived his life with that end in view. Now, Elijah didn't know that he was actually going to get to escape death, that God would just catch him up into heaven, just like he will do with a generation of Christians during the rapture. But he knew his time was limited, so he wanted to make sure that he left a legacy of faith behind him. And that's why he trained Elisha, his mentoree, to carry on the work after he was gone. If you want to have a spiritually significant life, you'll learn the truth that God's work goes on long after you're gone. And you'll make sure that you pass on your faith to your children, your grandchildren, and to others who will be faithful in standing for God. These are the seven principles for spiritual significance. You know, somebody has said that one person, one courageous person with purpose makes a majority. One courageous person with purpose makes a majority. That was true of Elijah. That's true in our day as well. One courageous person with purpose makes a majority. The worst terrorist attack in American history September the 11th, 2001. On that day, there was one person with courage and purpose who made a difference. Peggy Noonan writes about his story. This man was known as the man with the red bandana. His name was Wells Crowther. Wells Crowther. When Wells was a little boy, his dad bought him his first suit. And he gave him a white handkerchief to put in the breast pocket of that suit. He also gave him a red bandana to keep in his back pants pocket. He said, son, one of these is for show, the other is for blow. <laughs> well, Wells Crowther carried that red bandana with him for years. As a young man, he became a junior associate for Sandler O'Neill in New York City but officed on the 104th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. On the morning of September the 11th, Wells Crowther felt that building shake. He felt that uh, terrible explosion that occurred floors below him. Earlier in his career, whenever he would pull out that red bandana, his associates would kid him about that red bandana. He said, don't laugh. With this red bandana, I'm going to change the world. That morning, he changed the world with that red bandana. 
when he felt the impact of that jet that ripped out floors 78 through 86 in the South Tower of the World Trade Center, Wells took that red bandana from his back pocket and put it around his face. He immediately went down the stairwell, went down to the 76th floor, where he found a group of people huddled together, some of them badly hurt and bleeding. One woman was so injured she couldn't walk, so Wells picked her up and he led the entire team down 18 more floors until they found clear air. Wells Crowther with that red bandana around his face then went back up to the 76th floor and he led another group down and then another group down and then another group to safety. Nobody knows how many rescue missions Wells Crowther went to that day. But when his body was found six months later in the lobby of the South Tower of the World Trade Center, his body was there with other firemen who had given their life to rescue people. The only way they were able to identify his body was he was wearing that red bandana. He made a difference. You know, when that jet struck that World Trade Center, Wells could have very easily said, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to save my life for the sake of my family. But he knew he couldn't do that. He had a purpose. And that purpose was to rescue as many people as possible. God's given us the same mission. You know, we are living in a world that is deteriorating before our very eyes. It's getting worse and worse and worse. One day, the Bible says this entire world is going to be consumed in fire and destroyed. There is only one way of escape from this world, and it is through faith in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have found that way of escape in Jesus Christ, we can just hunker down, try to protect ourselves and our family as we wait for the end to come, but that's not what God's told us to do. He said, I want you to rescue as many people as possible before I come back. God has given us a rescue mission. And only when we understand that eternal purpose God has for us and build our lives around that purpose, only then will we transform an ordinary existence into an extraordinary life. Are you ready to start living it? In the weeks ahead, we'll discover just how to do that. Those of us who follow Jesus Christ are on a mission to rescue the lost and to bring them to the light. And there is no greater privilege than to lead our friends and family to the one who truly saves. Gratefully, at Pathway to Victory, we hear from men and women all over the world who tell us about their life-changing encounters with Jesus Christ. And it's such an encouragement to learn how listeners benefit from the teaching they hear on Pathway to Victory. Let me give you an example. Recently, I received a comment from Shauna Lee who wrote, Pastor Jeffress, I want to thank you for preaching the true Word of God. I listen to your program on the radio in the mornings on the Christian Satellite Network. Pathway to Victory has inspired me to renew my dedication to the Lord, and your program gives me comfort knowing that I am not alone. Well, thank you for taking time to tell your story, and I can assure you that you're never alone. 
Your genuine response to God's Word is truly what our ministry is all about. And friends, when you give a gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, Shauna Lee's thank you note really belongs to you. God is using your generosity to reach men and women for Him. And today, when you give a generous gift, I'm prepared to send you the hardback edition of my book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life. Plus, when you respond today, I'll also include an exclusive resource called The Elijah Map. Now, here's David with all the details. Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you support the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, you're invited to request a copy of Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book called Choosing the Extraordinary Life, along with the brand new Life Application Guide. As an added bonus, we'll include a copy of The Elijah Map. Ask for all three resources when you call 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when you give $75 or more, you'll also receive, in addition to the book, both the CD and DVD teaching sets for Choosing the Extraordinary Life. These messages come in their original, unedited form and would make the perfect study for your small group or Sunday school class. To request the complete book, application guide, CD, and DVD package, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. A lot of listeners prefer to contact us the good old-fashioned way. If you'd like that address, it's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time for secret number one to choosing the extraordinary life. Discover your unique purpose. That's Friday here on Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.